0: Yo,
1: plug me in. Plug me in to the STEM Plug pod. Welcome to episode seven of the STEM Plug Podcast. I am your host, Rich Nevated. And here at the STEM Plug Podcast, we plug you in with innovators and entrepreneurs within the STEM space. And today is no different. We have another amazing guest that's doing some amazing things in the STEM space. Someone that I'm definitely, you know, inspired from daily. We have Dr. Nee in the building. What up, man? From STEM Media. <laughs> Come on, man. Yo, how you STEM doing, media. man? Hey, can I, can I bro, dap you up? I don't know. Bro, I feel like bro, I need to dap
0: you up real quick. Bro,
1: we here. Bro, I mean, bro. right across from each other. What's this, going on? Man, this is dope. Really appreciate you coming out to the to the STEM Plug podcast today. How how you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Always happy to support my my fellow STEM brethren, fellow engineer,
0: yeah. fellow, you know, STEM media colleague. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, oh, thanks for
1: having me. We're making STEM cool, right? Oh man, you oh, already know. It's already man. cool. We just let people know about it. You know exactly. what I'm saying? There you exactly. Go. There yep. we go. So that, that's something that I really love about your brand, right? So that, that's that's plug in, right? Mm-hmm. STEM media. Yeah. Amazing. But we have STEM media, but we, we gotta go we gotta go back because you got a you got an amazing, amazing resume, right? Uh-huh. So tell me about your, your journey from you were a NASA researcher. Yeah. So that's that's dive in. So through. yeah, man, thanks for the amazing uh
0: adjective <laughs> you gave me on the on the resume. <laughs> so uh, I started, man, I started getting introduced to what wasn't called STEM, at least to my knowledge at the time, engineering by my father. It was a opportunity when I was in high school to apply for this NASA summer research apprenticeship. So like it was basically high school is getting an opportunity to go to NASA and like say that they rocket scientists, but you know, we really just doing a little stuff here and there, but I applied for it. It was the engineering internship. I loved it, bro. So much so that even though they had me just working on a website, you know, and I still was wearing that badge, like a legit rocket scientist, I volunteered the next summer. And that led to an opportunity to intern in my college experience led to an actual part-time job, and then even allowed me to have my my master's degree in the first year of my PhD paid for. So that being said, I was at NASA for over eight years, and I was able to see a number of things. This was at the Marshall Space Flight Center in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, and was able to do a lot of things, predominantly of which was um, like structural health monitoring and, you know, making sure sensors are properly
1: embedded and working together with, with certain materials. Wow, so, okay. We can't leave that point. You said you worked at NASA and then that plugged you into your graduate studies? Yeah, man, it definitely did. And this is the power of connections, I'm going to tell you. So, like, I applied for that high school
0: program and it was ran by, I think, like two or three ladies. And this one lady, this black lady that was so phenomenal, um, she had a lot of other talents as well. I actually ran into her years later when I was about to graduate from my undergrad. And so that's when she informed me that there was, like, a graduate fellowship program that NASA was doing. That would pay for like up to three years of graduate school. And so really her remembering me from high school, running into me into like this little cafeteria restaurant area, asked me to apply, I applied. And sure enough, that opened the door for grad school. Because at the time I was just like, let me get a job, let me make some money. But to be honest with you, it was the great recession at the time. <laughs> and not only that, like I wasn't really thinking about a PhD, but I said to myself, hey, if I'm gonna get going, I'm gonna go, let's keep it moving. Let's see how far this thing can run okay okay yeah. what did you study for your PhD yeah so civil engineering was my degree I did a uh, bachelor's in civil engineering and applied mathematics my master's also was in civil engineering and so my PhD which brought me to Raleigh North Carolina North Carolina State University was actually more a specific area known as structural engineering and mechanics that was my PhD
1: okay yeah okay. that's a amazing. Background. Structural engineering. Let's plug in on structural engineering. Plug it in. You give me a lot of information about like bridges, right? Right. And different things that you're building with these bridges. So what role would you say that kind of technology plays within bridge design?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the bridge to get really quick. So NASA is more aerospace engineering. Uh When I got into my PhD program, my research was around bridge design. The same concepts from NASA. So that led to like a career of about seven, eight years specifically as a bridge design engineer. And in terms of technology, man, there are just a number of things. Um, You know, you got the software that we're designing with. You have, obviously, the ways that load testing, you know, how do we test the strength of concrete? How do we test the durability of an actual bridge, actual structure? Um, But I think one of my favorite technological implementations has to be, again, the area that connects to my research, which is you know, using sensors that are embedded or other what we call non-destructive technology tech to be able to determine the health or the condition of actual bridge or actual material. And so we do a number of things like, you know, thermography where you heat up a structure and then use this thermography or this thermal camera to see where are there hot spots on the surface. And what that does, lets you know that, hey, there may be a, a void or a gap or a hole there, because a gap actually holds heat much longer. And so that thermal camera helps you, allows you to say, okay, let's go investigate this area. Let's tap on it, see how hollow it sounds. Maybe we can test some things. And so that's actually pretty good. So non-destructive technology, another example of that would be uh, ultrasonics, which is like really, really high sound waves that, that are too high for the human ear, that will be excited or applied to a surface of a structure. And then there'll be like another receiver sensor that, you know, what we do is what they call pitch catch. So one sensor is like pulsating it at very high um, frequencies and another sensor is actually picking up those frequencies. And the difference between what we know we're pulsating that and what it picks up at the sensor, at the receiver, lets you to know, you know, it gives you some indication of how the material in between those sensors is, right? So it also lets you know, okay, there may be a, um, a void or a hole or a crack, or whatever the case may be. Man, it, it, I can go on and on, but there's like a whole like suite of technology known as non-destructive evaluation um, tools.
1: Wow, wow, okay. Yeah. You know, one of the things I'm heavy on is just um, collaborating. Like, yeah, some, man. Such as, you know, we've collaborated on different things, and within STEM, collaboration is important, right? What is the role that you would say collaboration and teamwork kind of plays in the process of bridge designing? Absolutely, man. So everything we do, everything we design, starts with
0: some information that we had to get from somebody else. So, you know, we have geotechnical engineers who their job is simply to to analyze and determine the state of the soil or the ground that we're about to build on. And so they they do tests like, you know, how condensed is it? How deep is bedrock? You know, is this predominantly clay? Is it predominantly, you know, sand? Like, what are we dealing with? It gives us a whole breakdown of the profile. And it also analyzes where or it tells us where this was analyzed. And so we take that information and say, okay, how much can this particular soil bear? How how strong is it? What is its bearing capacity? Um, how much do we expect our structure to settle when we know we want to build something? So that right right there by itself, right? It's like collaboration. We have to collaborate with them to even get our starting point. And then we're going through the process of we as structural engineers trying to make sure we pick the right sizes of materials, the right material we do steel. Are we going to do concrete? Are we going to do wood? Like what are we going to do? How are we gonna size it? How long we need to be. Uh, and this has happened kind of simultaneously as we're dealing with, you know, transportation engineers that have to think about how many cars are we gonna expect in this way? You know, how many lanes do we need? Like, how can this thing be properly serviceable? And so this is just one big collaborative process, right? Because even after that, you gotta get into the construction workers that gotta take our plans and what we design and actually begin to build it. I Man, it's like one big teamwork, right? And so collaboration is huge. And so there's no way a person can approach this field or really any field and say, I'm just going to be the best at knowing how to do this. I don't want to talk to people. Just leave me alone. You know what I mean? And I don't want to collaborate without collaboration. Like, you know, you are limited in terms of the size
1: and scope of your projects. Come on, bro. That's a bar, bro. That's, that's facts. a That's a, That's a bar. That's definitely <laughs> facts. Appreciate it. Um, I was really so interested in just diving in a little bit about, you know, bridges because, mm-hmm. I know various of people that are, are scared to actually drive over bridges. Man. Yeah. So I really wanted to kind of just really, it's amazing that you have this, this background and a knowledge of, you know, how this even, you know, goes into everything. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so what, what are the, you know, when you're designing a bridge, how do you have to approach it to like, so a bridge can withstand, withstand like different weather conditions. That's a good question. Stuff like that. Yeah. No, I get asked that a lot, man. So here's the thing, like, I know people are nervous, but we do design these
0: bridges for situations more extreme than your little Toyota Corolla, (laughs) like I promise you. And so what happens is we have to analyze two primary primary types of weights or loads is what we call them. There's live loads, which is the cars and stuff that's like going to be temporary. That's going to go over it just kind of at different points. Then there's dead loads, which is like the weight of the structure itself, um, the barriers that are going to fall on it. Um, you even get into other loads, you know, environmental loads, such as you, as you pointed out, the snow loads or the rain or whatever the case may be, right? Earthquake. And what we do is we apply like factors on these things. So we bump them up in some cases and make it even larger. In some cases we say, okay, not, let's not look at the average rainfall, but let's look at what we call a hundred year flood, a type of rainfall that's only going to happen once in every hundred years, maybe a 50 year flood, right? Because we don't want to design. but the case, the case, the thing that I'm pointing out is that we're looking at these very, very, I would say, unlikely scenarios where we could say we have a very high reliability on, again, just the typical trucks and the typical cars and the typical use of the pedestrians that may be walking across it. Now, with that being said, though, we do have to make sure that uh, we do it in a way that it stands the test of time. Because when you first design it, you may say, oh, this thing is like, you know, very, very reliable. But over time, You know, you begin to look at, okay, is this dropping below? How much lower than the original design strength is this at now because of the fatigue? And so the truth of the matter is there is a problem with our bridges from a standpoint of they are beyond their standard design. A lot of them are beyond their standard design life. That doesn't mean they're at risk of falling down, though. They're, they're, They're no longer as serviceable, which sometimes could just mean, hey, it used to only need two lanes, but so many people are coming this way. We need four lanes now. So that means that it's also not, it's beyond the service life or whatever. So there is a a high need for rehabilitation and repair in our country. But, you know, we post bridges and say that you need to limit the, the weight of the bridges long before it happens. And in most cases, if a bridge collapse, it's not because we were just clueless as engineers in most cases. Um, a lot of times it's because recommendations were not heeded for a very
1: long time. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. So it seems like you have a lot of fun experiences, uh, you know, within, you know, designing bridges. Do you have any, um, you know, memorable experiences or achievements that, uh, you have as a bridge engineer? Yeah.
0: Um, you know, I always point to this project I did where I was able to implement my PhD research. Cause it's funny, man, you know, when you're doing a PhD, Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, the joke is, you know, maybe two people are going to read it, you, and then, you know, maybe your advisor or something like that. But And then it goes into this, you know, repository, never to be seen again. But I was fortunate enough to be able to apply some of my PhD research to an actual bridge off the coast of North Carolina. Um, And it was actually an opportunity to strengthen a certain part of the bridge that was a way that they designed it, you know, decades ago. That didn't really have the same design in modern cases. So I was able to apply. This is a bridge going off the coast. Of North Carolina to a to a uh, landmass known as Emerald Isle. I don't know if you heard of it. And so yeah, I, I was able to work on that even before I got my license. I had a senior engineer that served as an engineer of record, but I was just happy because I was able to apply my actual research to to my work.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah that's dope, bro. But man, you you shared some amazing things within you know all of your designing within bridges, mm-hmm. your education, getting getting your PhD. Yeah, and that that sounds great, right? But now we have STEM media, right? You you have an amazing background. Some people will just be happy with just, oh, I'm a a structural engineer. I'm I'm building bridges. Yeah. You got STEM media, right? Yeah. So 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 tell us, you know, what really inspires you to start STEM media.
0: Man, thank you for the plug, my brother. Pun intended. Thank (laughs) you for the plug. I tell you, STEM media started when I was in grad school as an original, like personal extracurricular activity. I remember I entered into this this video contest called engineering stay with it it was sponsored by intel mtv facebook was a part of it a couple of other folks um where i did this video on campus on the day in the life of an engineering student and why i'm staying with it and really the course of getting a bad grade to trying to get close to a good grade right or a good grade and that was something that was successful i won the national grand prize and so word became hey there's this engineering student that has a media company that's talking about engineering. And honestly, I didn't have a media company at the time. I did. <laughs> but that was the word. And so as people started reaching out, I said, I guess I should start making a media company. And what was originally like, a, you know, a part-time video production company, I carried it into my workforce even after graduation. Got to build a community online through various initiatives, serve various professors, organizations, and schools. To the point that, you know, um, two over, a little over two years ago, I said, you know what? I'm really passionate about this you know, just as much as I was passionate about engineering, but I think this is something I want to do full time. And so now in my career, you know, where STEM media was originally like my part-time side hustle and I was doing engineering, they're kind of switched places where I'm still involved in engineering as a professional, um, independent. Um, but engineering or STEM media rather, it's my full time, man. And we're at this point an ed tech and media company that serves higher institutions and corporations to help them attract, engage, educate, and empower, um, STEM
1: talent. Young STEM oh, talent. Bro. That's that's amazing, bro. All right, so let's 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 plug in some more, right? Yeah. Give us some examples of some of the you know creative content and uh career development services that STEM Media provides. Yeah, man. One of my favorite is this
0: concept or this program rather known as engineering your purpose. And we've been able to offer this in a number of workshops. We also have an online course. And what this particular program curriculum is all about is helping students to identify suitable careers in STEM. Because here's the thing, you get a question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And a lot of people say, hey, STEM is the way to go, but like what's, STEM is broad, you know what I mean? Like there are a lot of different things. And so ultimately it it takes someone through a process of saying, you know, what am I good at? You know, what do I like? Why does it matter? Getting really uh, honed in on certain core values and through the process, sort of narrowing down potential careers a person could go into, whether it be tech or you know natural sciences or anything related to math mathematics but yeah man that's one of my favorite um uh, we've been able to create some tv shows uh a web series whether with with PBS you know um that's been really cool PBS digital studios that, that's not small man that's not small, oh man small, listen man. PBS that's not small yeah hey well part of our childhood for <laughs> sure right you know watching all those those hit shows hit science communication type shows yeah so we've mm-hmm. been able to be become a player in that market as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. One of the things I, I I love about, you know, STEM media, like you said, we're educating the people, right? Yeah. But you're bringing in entertainment as well, right? Yeah. So, so how do you go about of, uh, you know, you're, you're educating, but you're bringing that entertainment in at the same time to, you know, just draw that interest. How, yeah. how do you, how do you go about you know, connecting those two. I mean, you know the term is what?
0: Your edutainment. Have you heard that term? It's combining break, edu- break it down, bro. You know, it's a port <laughs> uh, as they call it. That, that combines the word entertainment and education, edutainment. And it's really all about not getting so hung up on, hey, I really want them to know this. Because if you start with what you really want people to know, and you're not even taking any time of consideration for what they may find interesting or relatable or interesting or curious about, then you really could just talk and people just glaze over. We all know those times you start explaining. And I mean, I've been on a number of podcasts. <laughs> Shout out to people watching this. Hopefully you're not glazed over uh, and, and I lose you talking about all the engineering. Um, but I know nah, i just play. I know everyone is, is, is with us. Uh, but ultimately, you want to be able to find something that a person can resonate with and then sort of reverse engineer into that or from that information that you feel is important, whether it be science or engineering or math related. And so that's what it's all about, man. You can use humor yeah. You can use fashion. You can use pop culture. You know, you can use a number of things to engage people with topics. It's sort of like putting the medicine in the applesauce. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, when you're growing up, you got to get some medicine. I like that. And they're like, yo, the baby's like, no, I'm not taking it. I got daughters. They're like, I don't take it, but let's see if we can put it in some applesauce. (laughs) They might just get a little more of that vitamin C that that they didn't want to take by itself. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's dope, bro. Yeah, man. Like, you know, one of the things I, I like to always say, like people see everything that you you built your brand to now, mm-hmm. but people don't see you when you, you know, in the gym, oh, you work and you put in that work. Right. And, and, work. And, you, and you told me that. You know, you said that now Stem Media is this is your full-time. You you doing this full full thing, right? Yes, my brother. So, <laughs> so I know what what are some of the challenges that you face kind of, you know, really running Stem Media. What have you had to overcome any challenges? Let me tell there? you, man. It's I literally was just talking to somebody about this before I came
0: here. You know, entrepreneurship in and of itself is a a new realm. Uh, it's a business is a craft. And oftentimes when we start things, we start because we're passionate about the thing. Like, I'm passionate about painting, so I'm starting a art business. Or so I'm passionate about making videos, so I'm make a video production company. And, like, that's that's cool and all, but, like, in order for you to be an entrepreneur and this to be the way you make your living, you also got to learn all the auxiliary things connected to the thing to sustain it. You know, sales, marketing, you know, accounting, <laughs> legal. Like, there's just so much outside of it. And I think the challenge for me early on was understanding that hey, if I really want this to be a business, I got I to at least become acquainted enough. Not saying I got to do everything myself, but acquainted enough and knowledgeable enough so that this thing just, just become, a, you know, a starving artistry, if you will. You know what I'm saying? So that's one of the challenges. And so ultimately, you know, you have to make money. Yep. And when you're not, when, when money isn't the most important thing, it is an important thing. You know what I'm saying? Like money's not the... Money isn't everything, but money is something. You know what I'm saying? So that's probably one of the bigger things I would say to anybody who's probably hearing my story and be like, oh, yeah, I'm about to do that, too. Well, you know, <laughs> think about it. You know? <laughs> and that's what I used sure. to say to people who also ask about Ph.D. Like, yeah, like from the outside, as you put it, looking in, it could be like, oh, man, this is great. I want That's how I want my life to be. But, you know, there's some sacrifices. There's some patience. There's some stuff that you didn't want to do, that you have to do so you can do the stuff you want to do.
1: That's all a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, that's, that's dope. And it always like to say, it's a difference between a, a hustle and a business, right? Yeah. You know, some people like, yeah, I, I got this, I got that, but they're not structuring yourself as a business. Yeah. And then you, you fall all apart, right? Yeah. So System. yeah, but all right. So engineer, you're educating as well, doing different public speaking, STEM media. How do you, How do you balance all of this? What's your concepts? So I got to give a shout out to my wife. Shout out, babe.
0: Appreciate you. You Definitely plug that in. You got to be able to have um, the right relationships. and For me, it starts with my spouse. Um, I have three girls. She's been holding it down, Um, but she's also a professional herself. She's a teacher, so she's not necessarily, you know, working from home or staying home. But I bring her up to say that you have to make sure that your relationships, whether it be your spouse, your partner, whether it be your you know, your boss, if you're starting something on the side, um, or whether it just be whoever is depending on you for something, they have to be understanding. And their understanding goes a long way because when you talk about balancing it all, it's never going to be perfectly balanced at any specific time. Like in the micro, it may seem like, oh, I'm doing a lot, stand up late, da-da-da-da-da, I don't have a whole lot of time for this, that, the other. And then in another phase, you are like, hey, I'm cutting off, I'm about to spend a whole lot of time, you know, recharging self-care, and over time, right, you start getting the balance, but you need that understanding so that when things are out of balance, there is some grace, there's some patience, um, there's some commitment that allows things to rebalance as they need to, as things ebb and flow. So I say it all to say, um, I'm not balancing at all, <laughs> but I am balancing it all. You know
1: what I mean? I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that honesty is key. Yeah, man. It Just having that that family structure at home. Yeah is so important. So important, exactly. right? So what's the what's the future goals and, and aspirations of STEM media? Where where do you where do you see going there? You know what? Man, that's
0: a good question too, because um people ask me how do I envision it? So we are obviously foundation that's been media production. We've been able to also expand to experiences. I, I public speak and I do things like that workshops. Um but we're also um delving into this area of ed tech, which is a subscription based platform service allows people to access a lot of the content that we produce, you know, in the past in one off fashion, but can make it available to their students or their employees so they can continue to upscale, upskill, and also um, develop as professionals and in their career to, again, increase their retention, to help them to progress success and have promotions and even find the roles that are right for them. Um, we want to be a brand that is, you know, the, the ESPN of STEM. That's what we want to do, right? We want to be the MTV for pop culture, right? Or STEM, rather. We want to be the Disney. What Disney did to imagination, we want to do the STEM. You feel me? So that's basically what we're trying to do with STEM Media. It's a, it's a role. You know, obviously, again, there's a there's a process and a progress and growth that needs to take place from the business standpoint. But if you ask me about my vision. I I I can paint a big picture for you. Um,
1: but that's what we want to do. I see it. I see it, brother. I see it. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I appreciate you plugging in and everything, yep. Dr. Nee. How how can our listeners stay in touch with you and and continue to plug in with everything you got going on? Shout out to the listeners. Look, hey,
0: you got a nickname for your audience yet? You got to give them a nickname. You know, that's, that's, that's a good one. I I was thinking about the the, the plug-ies. pluggies. The pluggies. <laughs> Hey, see, working on that. send it right in and let us know if you think the pluggies or, or if you have a, a better idea. Yeah. So my man Rich can, uh, can workshop that a little bit, but, uh, but no, man, STEM media, that's STEM media, one word with one M. That's our name. S T E M E D I A.com is our website. Um, you can also check us out at STEM media on Twitter at STEM media on Instagram. You can search STEM media on LinkedIn. got a page there. STEM dot is how, we uh, are identified on Facebook. It, it was the only thing available, right? Okay. But uh, yeah, that's it. And if you want to check me out, I'm Nehemiah at Stem Media. I have a website, uh nehemiahmabry.com If you're interested in anything, you know, I individually
1: can provide. But uh, yeah, that's it, man. Okay. And this is the Stem Plug Podcast. So I also need you to plug in your podcast as well. You know, the Stem month, Media man.
0: podcast. <laughs> yep. Yep. S T E M E D I A. Podcast available on wherever you get your podcast. We also have a YouTube channel, so be sure to like and subscribe. At, right after you like, share, and subscribe to this particular podcast, the STEM plug, come over to STEM Media and do the same um, for some of our content.
1: Okay, yeah, all right. Well, y'all yeah, appreciate you, Doctor Nee. Yeah. You know, for all of our listeners, stay tuned. Appreciate Me you. and Doctor Nee definitely have some more collaborations. We got some some big stuff coming for y'all soon. Yeah. So 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 stay tuned. Yeah. The entertainment and STEM is coming. So I appreciate y'all plugging in. Stay tuned.